Good afternoon. Welcome to another episode of Logan's Devotions. It's great to be together. Wonderful to open up God's Word for another day and see what he has to say. We're turning through to Luke chapter 9 again, but before I read our passage, as always, let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word, which is rich and true. We pray that you would bless it to us and encourage our hearts, that we might be strengthened in the faith, that we might see Jesus and worship him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Luke chapter 9, picking up at verse 51. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. And he sent messengers ahead of him, who went and entered a village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him, because his face was set toward Jerusalem. And when his disciples, James and John, saw it, they said, Lord, do you want us to tell fire to come down from heaven and consume them? That he turned and rebuked them, and they went on to another village. It's a, it's a strange story. It would be a funny story if it wasn't so sad, but we can call it a strange story, can't we? I mean, can you, can you picture the scene? The disciples walking along with Jesus, and Jesus picks some messengers and says, go off into this town in Samaria, go to the Samaritan village, go there and tell them to make the way for the coming king. The king is coming. And, and as they go off, you could imagine the disciples getting excited for another mission trip, another trip into this village where they can go and preach the gospel and heal sick people. They've seen it all before. It's time to do it again. But then the messengers come back, not with the news that the disciples expect. They come back and they say, well, Jesus, uh, turns out they don't want you to come. You can imagine someone saying, wait, what do you mean? They don't want me to come. Messengers say, well, exactly that. We went and told them that Jesus is coming and they told us to go away. The disciples are perplexed and wondering what's going on and none more so than James and John. James and John, they remember the Old Testament well. And they remember the day that Elijah was up on a mountain. And when Elijah was up on the mountain, the king sent for Elijah and said, come down this mountain. And Elijah said, if I am a prophet, may fire consume you. And they all died. And uh, maybe, they th maybe they have that in the back of their mind. And they think, well, Lord, do you want us to call down fire and consume them? You know, I often wonder what was running through their head when they said those words, what they were expecting Jesus to say. Have you ever wondered what Jesus you know, what, what the disciples expected Jesus to answer. Not what Jesus said. We know what he said. But I often wonder if the disciples were sitting there, you know, waiting for their for their master to praise them or something. I don't know. It's just all a bit bizarre. And what they get is not what they expect, I'm sure. They get rebuked. Jesus rebukes them. He turned and rebuked them and went on to another village. What is going on in this story? What is this story all about why? Why do we get this story? What did the dis where did the disciples go wrong? I mean, we all know they're wrong, right? Because they get rebuked. Where did they go wrong? What was all of the wrongness? Why is it that Jesus rebukes them? Let me point out to you five different things here. Firstly, 
they fail to learn, the disciples fail to learn a lesson that they've already been instructed on and that they're going to be instructed on again in the next chapter. And that is what to do when people don't receive you. Remember back in chapter 9, back in chapter 9, when Jesus sent out his disciples, he said to them in verse 5 of chapter 9, wherever they do not receive you, hear that word, receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. Okay, so when you go into a town and they and they they say to you, we're not interested in receiving the gospel. We're not going to host you. We're not going to welcome you. We don't want anything to do with you. Don't call down fire from heaven. Just shake off the dust from your feet against them. Okay, and that and that'll be a witness. That'll be a testimony against them that they have not received you. So that's what they were to do. And that's what maybe they had to do as they went about preaching the gospel and and then in chapter 10, the same command's going to get stated again, but it's going to get expanded further. So in chapter 10, as they as he sends out the 72, he says to them in verse 10, Whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. So what are they to do if they get rejected? What are they to do if they don't get received? Notice the word in our text for today. Verse 52, he sends them forth. And in 53, they did not receive him. Same word, right? They did not receive him. Well, they're to dust their feet off. Wipe the feet off and tell the people, this is a sign against you. It'll be worse on the day of judgment. He never told them to call down fire from heaven and to consume people, right? So they're, they're failing here. One of their major failings here is there's a failure to practice what Christ has taught them. Failing to practice what Christ had taught them. But that leads us into the next observation that we make here, is that they also failed to appreciate that they had to leave judgment to God. It's one of the things Jesus was an expert at, right? He, vengeance is the Lord's. The Old Testament says, and Hebrews quotes it as well. Vengeance belongs to the Lord. We don't need to take it in our own hands. Jesus doesn't need to call down fire from heaven. Why? Because in that day, it's going to be better for Sodom, more bearable for Sodom than it is for the Samaritan village. There would come a day of judgment for the Samaritan village for rejecting Christ, just like there would for Jerusalem, right? Jesus has already said that. And and that, and that that principle is so important for us because often people reject us. Often people will hate us. Often people will despise us because we are counted with Christ. And we can just leave it. We can just shake the dust off our feet and, and just leave judgment to the Lord. We don't need to worry about getting peace. We don't need to worry about getting justice, I mean. We don't need to worry about getting vengeance. Because it's for the Lord to repay. We can repay evil with love. Just injustice, we can, we can repay with justice. This is the, the wonderful thing we have. But notice, thirdly, that the greatness principle. They fail to comprehend the greatness principle, don't they? It's striking that a couple of sections ago that we saw, where they had that argument about who's greatest, and he says you need to be the least, right? Are they being the least here? They're just abysmally failing, right? They, they just don't be great. Be the least. 
And, and now James and John are like trying to channel Elijah and zap people with fire. It's not for no reason Jesus called them the son of Boanerges, the sons of thunder, because they're pretty fiery. They, they don't understand what it means to be least. They want to be great. And they want to be great in their way. But notice, notice also that they fail to comprehend the principle of uh, receiving being given to people. Do you, do you remember that section where we talked about the fact that it's only those whom it's given to that can receive Jesus? It's back in chapter 8. So we, we saw this whole parable, and in the parable, um, we noted that, in chapter 8, we noted that it's that the parables were given because to you has been given to receive this information. To you has been given to know this knowledge. To you it has been given. And it's only to those that the Father gives it to. And then we saw that unpack in a number of different ways. When Jesus confesses the wonder, when, sorry, when Peter confesses Jesus Christ, Jesus says to him, this has been given to you. He doesn't say it here, but he says it in the in the mirrored version of the gospel. And I think it's Luke off the top of my head or Mark, I can't remember. It says, this has been given to you. This has been given to you. Sorry, Matthew, that's where it is. This has been given to you. Whereas now we run into these guys and and they react so strongly because they fail to recognize that the reason these Samaritans don't receive Jesus is it hasn't been given to them to receive Jesus. And so rather than trying to destroy them, they should have pity upon them. But the last mistake they make, which is maybe the most important, is they fail to they fail to comprehend the mission of Christ. Remember what Jesus said? Jesus said to them twice recently that he's going to go and die. He foretells his death in verse 21 and 22, and then in verse 44 as well. Again and again, what's he telling them? I'm on my way to Jerusalem to die. That's what I'm doing. And they just don't get it. They cannot comprehend that the ministry of Christ is always cross-shaped. And the ministry of his disciples is always cross-shaped. Until glory comes, that's the nature of ministry here on this earth. The mission of Christ is one through the cross of Christ. And so they're busy trying to call down fire from heaven. Jesus Christ is busy trying to go to Jerusalem. The reason they didn't welcome Jesus is because Jesus had a mission to complete. And if his disciples had known that, he wouldn't. they wouldn't have responded in this way. And I think some of the times... Our problem is exactly the same. We see what Christ's doing in this world. We see the church struggling. We see our lives going bad. And we wonder what on earth Jesus is doing. And it's because we fail to recognize that Jesus is doing exactly what he wants to do, shaping his people through the cross. The reason the church is suffering is because that's the way Christ advances his kingdom. And you might say to yourself, well, this is completely contrary to anything I've ever seen before. This doesn't make any sense, except for it makes complete sense. Because God uses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. He uses the suffering of his people to conform them to the image of Christ. He uses the weak, pathetic things of this world so that his power would be displayed and he would be glorified in our weakness. Our problem is not that we suffer. Our problem is we're thick and we don't comprehend what Christ is actually doing in our midst. 
This is why we rely upon pragmatism and all sorts of different things to seek to advance the kingdom of God rather than relying upon the power of the gospel and the weakness of the church to bring sinners to repentance. If we actually did that, I think we would see a lot more power in the church. The problem is we don't rely upon cross-shaped power. We rely upon man-made power. And so we don't see it. It might look like we see it. But we don't see it. You know, we're not very different from these disciples. We're, we're, we're James and John. That's, I mean, that's the great moral of the Bible, right? Every time you find a failure, it's you. We're James and John. But you know, the wonderful thing is what Luke is saying to us. Is Jesus came to die for James and John's. He came to save James and John's. And shaped them by the cross of Christ so that they would no longer seek to call fire down from heaven. He was building a church of power, not with fire, but with a cross. The question for you and I is, will we receive him? <laughs> not, not as the disciples received him. Not at this stage anyway. Not as the Samaritans received him. But will we receive him the way he comes? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. We pray, Lord, that you'd help us to receive Christ upon a cross and then put that cross on ourselves and follow him. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.